Asia Pacific currents. News and labor issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning, good morning, dear listeners. And Giselle has just walked into the studio. No, no, have you, are you ready there? I can turn no, on your mic. You can turn on my mic. That's good. I needed a pen, Pierre, because、yeah, you know what no, I do no, when no, we're no, on no, air, no, don't no, you? No, no, no. You just arrived. Are you going to tell the, the listeners two, what I do on air? Two seconds before the show, <laughs> after the show. But anyway, let's not get into these petty squabbles, Giselle, that you're so interested in. <laughs> Um, but、uh, Asia Pacific Currents are brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Link on your favourite community radio stations, 3CR Radio, and those numbers, Giselle. That's right. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Find us on those social media platforms. But if you're a little bit unusual and you want to ring us on a landline, I guess you can do that. 03 9 9 You know what? Six double three seven two double seven. Yes, I think that's correct. There's no double nine. I think it's no nine double six three seven two double seven. Well, good luck with giving us a ring, comrades. That's all I can say. Anyway, we'll、uh, get into the show on、uh, today's show.、Um, it's all very, very、uh, serious, unfortunately, as usual. But on the second half, we've got an interview that、um, we did last week with Mikyung Ryu, who is the International Relations Officer、uh, with the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, because the labor movement in、uh, South Korea over the last、um, couple of months has been incredibly busy. Um, which is great to see, but it also means they've got lots of issues. So、um, we'll go through a bit of a run through、uh, in the second half of the program. And of course, we've got our, uh, uh, our usual news roundup,、uh, Giselle. I think you've got the first story, but also I should say welcome back, given that you were in Malaysia. So、um, we will have a bit of a、uh, rundown of what you did、uh, there. And,、um, and also, I hear you've got an interview to play sometime soon. Well, that's right.、Um, so So, I was in Malaysia and we did invite Comrade Somyot Pruksaka Semsuk to meet us there. So, I spent a week with Somyot and learnt a little bit about where the Thai democracy movement is at. So, that is,、um, yes, it'll definitely be worth talking about that and providing a report to listeners on air about what we got up to when we were in Malaysia. But, of course, time now for news from around the region. And we're going to unfortunately kick off with. Um, some accidents in China's chemical plants, which killed at least 17 workers. A few days ago, two workers were killed and one injured after a fire broke out inside a chemical factory in the city of Huludao in the northeast China province of、um, Liaoning. The cause of the accident is still under investigation. Just six days earlier, An explosion in the air separation unit of the Yima gas factory of the Henan Coal Gas Group Company in Yima City in Henan Province、uh, left at least 15 people dead with hundreds injured, 15 critically. 
Media reports state that the blast was so powerful that it shattered windows three kilometres away and knocked off doors inside buildings. The particular factory had actually won numerous accolades, including an award last year from the China Chemical Products Safety Association for its apparent outstanding contribution to the standardisation of the safe production of hazardous chemical products. Just a few days before the explosion on the 19th of July, the plant had been inspected by local safety officials and was still listed as one of Henan's top 72 enterprises in terms of risk prevention. As with numerous other accidents in China's chemical industry, government inspections either fail to uncover hazards or the enterprise management fail to take the necessary rectification measures when hazards were identified or it's entirely bogus is the other possibility. That's, that's correct. It, it's quite um, a shocking one to read stories like that, um, really, because in the end it's, it's us that um, um, dies. Um, I, I did forget to um, um, thank Solidarity Breakfast for another interesting program, and that music uh, that you heard between the two shows was Do Whoop by Bachelorette. We now go to Bangladesh, where unfortunately uh, earlier this week, still Karaman Shahidul lost his life while working at Kabir Steel Kawaja shipbreaking yard in Chattagram, which is um, part of Chittagong, Bangladesh. According to local sources, Shahidul was cutting the container ship Ever Union well if, when he fell from a great height. The Kabir Steel's uh, shipbreaking yards are part of the large industrial conglomerate of the Kabir Group of Industries. Now, several severe and fatal accidents in these yards have occurred over the last years, while in 2016, Kabir Steel's private uh, security personnel um, actually repressed um, a a group of of workers who were um, protesting against unsafe conditions by firing them and uh, injuring um, seven of them. Now, this um, the interesting thing about this Ever Union ship was that this ship was owned by the Taiwanese shipping giant Evergreen Marine, which actually had sold this ship for scrapping for more than ten million. But before reaching the shore, the ship was renamed the Vera and changed registry to the Paris Mo blacklisted flag of Palau, which uh, people know Palau is actually a little very tiny island in the Pacific. Um, now, also the in the working conditions, people have to remind that these. Uh, workers were working under the monsoonal rains and early this month another worker Manum Hossein uh, lost his life at the nearby Tazin Steel Corporation yards. Moving now to the Middle East, um, since the middle of this month, tens of thousands of Palestinian workers and supporters have initiated rolling general strikes and taken to the streets to demonstrate against the Lebanese Ministry of Labor's crackdown to limit foreign labour. So these um, protests are happening in Lebanon amongst um, Palestinian refugees. In effect, this has banned all Palestinian and Syrian refugees from working without work visas. The ministry directed authorities to raid shops, factories and industrial zones across Lebanon to ensure that there are no so-called illegal foreign workers. The ministry's recent decision is part of an ongoing attack on the basic dignity and livelihood of Palestinian workers. For over 70 years, the Lebanese government has marginalised and besieged Palestinian refugees in Lebanon. Pre-existing laws already barred Palestinians from employment in certain sectors. The protesters are demanding not only the right to work legally, but also the right to secure residency and the right to own property.
The Palestinians have also stated that they cannot ignore the abusive and exploitative conditions that migrant workers from Ethiopia to the Philippines, Nepal to Sri Lanka face in Lebanon while living in fear of deportation. These experiences and policies highlight the interconnectedness between refugees and migrants and their struggles for safety, fair pay and access to equitable employment and living. All power to you, work, um, comrades. Um, we now go to Indonesia, where Reni Desmiria, the secretary of the SBBMI Union of Workers at Seafood Processor Bumi Menara in Tanusa in Lampung, Indonesia, has been in jail since the middle of May of this year, and we brought you updates on her um, beforehand. Reni had just had returned to work from maternity leave and had begun enrolling BMI workers in the mandatory government health insurance scheme. Um, when um, the company then engineered her arrest, the company said that Randy submitted a fake high school certificate when she first applied for work at BMI eight years ago and now, now demanding the maximum sentence of six years for fraud. Um, <coughs> Um, in reality, the company knew, knew all along the school certificate, which is a common practice among poor workers, and only um, moved against Rennie after her successful organising drives. The company has now told Rennie she can be released and all charges drop if she resigns from her job and her union position. She has, now, she has um, refused this uh, point blank. The um, ACTU, the Australian Confederation of uh, Trade Unions, in conjunction with the International um, um, Food Preserving Union, the RUF, has recently released a statement condemning Rennie's continued attention as an attack on all workers and unionists and an attempt to delegitimise her work as a leader in the Indonesian union movement. And <clears throat> two more, two more items. <laughs> Last Wednesday, on the seventeenth of July, Erlan Baltabai, who's a leader of the Industrial Trade Union of the Fuel and Energy Workers Union in Kazakhstan, was sentenced to seven years in prison by a Kazakh court. The sentence also contains an additional seven-year ban on conducting any public activity, such as trade union activities. Baltabai is the fourth trade union leader to be criminally convicted or imprisoned in the last two years as the government of Kazakhstan continues its repression of independent trade unions in the country. Baltabai was sentenced on bogus charges of misappropriation of funds in retaliation for his trade union activism and support for leaders of the dissolved Confederation of Independent Trade Unions of Kazakhstan. Larissa Karkova, Amin Elusinov and Nurbek Kushakpav from the CITUK have also been punished and persecuted through the Kazakh courts. The government of Kazakhstan is among the 10 worst violators of union rights in the world. Doesn't sound like there's much um, room for labour organising in that country, unfortunately. Uh, we go to our last one, which unfortunately it's on a similar vein. We go to West Asia, to Iran, where this week the Iranian Supreme Court uh, confirmed Sepides Farhadbadi's sentence of six years and 74 lashes following her participation in the mass protest in early 2018. Sapide's sentence is composed of a one-year imprisonment and 74 lashes for disrupting public order through participation in illegal gatherings 
and an additional five years in prison for association and collusion to act against national security. In an unrelated case, um, another activist, also called Sepideb, Sepide Golian, has been on hunger strike all week prior to her sentences that is scheduled to be on today, Saturday 27th of July. Sepideb was uh, re-arrested this January for her connection with the labour protest by workers of the Avaz Steel Company. Supporters fear that uh, she will now also receive a long prison sentence as the government uh, is continuing a harsh crackdown on labour and human rights activists in Iran. And that really brings an end to the um, news roundup for for this week. It's just on um, 13 past 9 o'clock. We'll go to a couple of community announcements and then we'll be back with our main interview. It's not too late to donate. It's not too late to donate. It's not too late to donate to 3CR Radiothon 9419 or check our website 3cr.org.au. Listening to 3CR Community Radio. Come to me sweetly, this love of great vein. It's just on 14 past 9 o'clock. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links on your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio, here in the um, studios of Fitzroy, Melbourne. As um, we mentioned uh, at the start of the program, the South Korean um, labour movement has been incredibly active, uh, not just the last few months, but uh, throughout this year. And so we caught up with uh, Mikyung Ryu, who's the International Relations Officer with the uh, Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, to get a bit of rundown of what's happening in South Korea. In June and July of this year, there were two big mobilisations by truck drivers for better conditions and safe rates for transport. Can you tell us what the major issues facing truck drivers are and what are the, the demands by the union? The main issues in Korean trucking are similar to those faced in Australia. Economic pressures caused by intense competition and long supply chains controlled by large corporations put undue pressure on the truck drivers. In Korea, almost all owner drivers. These pressure force workers to speed, overload, and long working hours creating a public safety hazard on our roads. Last year, the Korean parliament adopted a limited safe rate system, which begins operation this year, but clients and trucking are trying to undermine the system, and the government is trying to avoid taking responsibility. Also, under the current safe rates will disappear in three years unless we win new legislations. So truck drivers protesting for truly safe rates application to all sectors of the transport market and a permanent system. There are also demanding guarantee of trade union rights, which right now are denied to owner drivers. 
Yes, it does sound like some of the similar issues facing truck drivers here in Australia. And um, of course, at the start of this month, there was another very big demonstration of about 100,000 public sector workers across South Korea to coincide with the termination of the dispatch and short-term work contracts on the 1st of July. Can you tell us about this strike and the extent of casualization and precarious work in South Korea? The strike was initiated by the various KCTU's affiliates representing in total 200,000 precarious workers in public sector. In Korea, over 1 million precarious workers are working in 1,464 public institutions around the country. They are employed in various forms of precarious arrangement. This can mean being on temporary or short-term contracts, employed through a subcontracting company or where an entire public service has been outsourced to, to a private company. Among them, around 100,000 KCT members were participating in the strike for the consecutive three days from July 3rd to uh, 5th of July. Uh, these workers face conditions that are greatly inferior to workers, their permanently employed counterparts, including lower wages, more dangerous conditions, and job insecurity. The government declared that it would lead an era of zero precarious works in public sector. In February of 2017, the government issued guidelines about making the status of these workers permanent, but in fact, this has not happened or happened in a very partial and uh, decisive way without real improvement, improvement in conditions or create subsidiary, etc. The main demand of the striking workers was that a regular table for negotiations with the government as an employer of the precarious workers in public sector on this and other issues be established. I also believe that for many of these workers, they're not legally allowed to bargain collectively. Is this, is this so? In theory, precarious workers do have the legal rights to bargain collectively. However, it doesn't mean that they have they can improve their working conditions through the collective bargaining with their real employers. The indirectly employed workers who are employed by an employer and work for another business owner cannot enjoy their rights uh, as the real employers avoid their responsibility as the employer. The daily activities of a trade union can easily be disrupted by the original employers when they leave the subcontracting workers out of the site. Working conditions, for example, wages, employment, security, and working hours are tra uh, and trade union activities of, of the subcontracting workers are guaranteed when the contractor or original company incorporate the cost in the contract but the original companies can easily avoid their legal responsibility as employer because they do not have direct employment relations with those workers. So this uh, may uh, cause uh, incapacitation of the right to collective bargaining of those workers. 
and the, the contractors can easily employ substitute for strikers by contracting with another subcontractor and the right to bargain collectively and right to strike of subcontracting workers is easily violated. Unfortunately, the issue of subcontracting and further subcontracting is something that happened in many countries, including here in Australia, so we know uh, what you're talking about. To go to mm-hmm. another protest of another group, that last week the postal workers held a major demonstration mm-hmm. for better working conditions. Uh, what, what are the issues that they have been facing? In our postal sector, the issue of health and safety is very severe. At least nine postal workers have died from overwork or safety-related accidents this year, and countless more in the last several years, creating a widely recognized social problem. In response to this problem, a government, the government established a task force last year and carried out an investigation about the working conditions of these postal workers. The task force came up with recommendations for improvement, the most important of which is an increase of the workforce in order to be able to reduce working hours and enable a five-day, 52-hours work week. Uh, it means a 40 uh, our work week plus uh, 12 hours uh, overtime work. And the task force recommended an increase of 2,000 permanently employed public workers, 1,000 this year. However, the Korean Post, the public uh, institution, has been refusing to implement these recommendations. So that is the background of the, the protest. And uh, actually, the KCT affiliates and the FKT affiliates were planning to strike together, calling for implementation of the task force recommendations. But at the last moment, the FKT union, which is the majority union, which uh, deal with the employer. The problem is that the FKTU accepted an increase of only 988 contract delivery workers rather than permanently employed workers. Even though the task force explicitly made the connection between good permanent jobs and safety. In fact, this agreement will only serve to push forward the Korean Post plan to create workforce that is more flexible and casual at the expense of workers' lives. So the KCTU uh, and especially the the KPTU, Postal Workers Union, will continue to fight uh, for implementation of the task force's recommendations. It sounds quite a uh, horrific uh, situation for a lot of the postal workers and of course if they're made more precarious then one can only imagine their conditions are going to get uh, worse. And from what you've said, the KCTU, the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, has been very active uh, and at the forefront of these struggles. But uh, the KCTU itself uh, has had problems because late last month, Kim Myong-hwan, who is the president of the KCTU, was arrested and charged with overseeing violent acts. Uh, Now, these charges relate to union protests that were carried out in April and May of this year. 
Now, the, the current government of President Moon was supposed to be an ally to workers. Why do you think the government has turned uh, so much against workers? Let me give some explanation of the background of the arrest of the KCT president. The charges filed against the KCT president Kim Myung-hwan were obstruction of public duties, obstruction of general traffic, and trespassing on public buildings, destruction of public goods, etc., etc. The police considered that there are some illegal actions during a, pro, a series of protests launched by the KCTU, and these are planned in advance under the direction of the KCTU president. The three staffs of the KCTU head office are already under pre-trial detentions for facilitating the rallies, and the police alleged that President Kim directed all the activities by the staffs as a head of the organizations. So the situation is very similar when our ex-president Han Sang-yun was arrested and charged. These are the charges filed for organizing several rallies and the demonstration to stop regressive labor law revision for the exchange of the ratification of the fundamental conventions on freedom of association and collective bargaining, which the employers are strongly opposed. While the government delayed the process for the ratification, the existing legislation are going backward, not forward, including regulations on maximum working hours and minimum wage setting mechanism, and even freedom of association itself. The unions can do nothing but raise our voices against these regressions. I don't believe that the current government have ever been an ally to workers from the beginning. Actually, it declares itself as a government respecting labor, but this is only a false declaration. And the real concern of the government was maintaining high approval rates. In that sense, and based on our self-reflection, the reason why the government dared to push ahead with the regressive labor policy is that the criticism on the government policy from the workers' movement is not strong enough. Thank you for giving us that background and, and evaluation and explanation. And in conclusion, as a last question, given what you have just said and the many issues that are facing workers in South Korea, as you just outlined, do you think the workers' movement is growing again in South Korea? And what do you think is going to happen in the next six months? I can give only short answer. We should do. We should uh, continue our struggle and we should expect expand our struggle. It is the KCTU's responsibility to represent the interests of working people as broadly as possible and to build an alternative to effectively realize those demands. So we should continue our struggle. Thank you very much for the interview and, and certainly on behalf of trade unionists and workers here, we certainly wish you all the best to all our sisters and brothers in South Korea. Thank you so much for listening to me and thank you for all uh, the solidarity. Three CR, always bringing you the latest union news. They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. 
They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. And you were listening to an interview that we did last week with Miking Ryu, who is the International Relations Officer of the Korean Confederation Trade Unions, really bring us up to speed um, what's happening with the labor movement in South Korea. And obviously, there are lots of things happening. But Giselle, that's really the end of another fantastic show of Asia Pacific. If you do Clara. say so yourself, if yeah. We, <laughs> oh, if we do say so ourselves. Geez, some, you know, the collective, Giselle. I know you... you Generation X, and what are you, Generation? No, I am. No, no, X, yes. That's right. Anyway, moving on. It is the end of the show. Thank you for listening. We will be back next Saturday from 9 o'clock with more news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region. Stay tuned to 3CR because coming up next is Palestine Remembered. That's it for me, Giselle Hannah. And I'm Pierre Morrow. And enjoy the weekend and stay tuned to 3CR Radio. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.